Welcome to a Woking Spotlight episode of Liberal Lockdown, the podcast that takes a lively and liberal look at local issues. I'm Dale Roberts, and in this episode, we're talking council tax and the upcoming local elections with Will Forster and Paul Kennedy. And for those that don't know, this local election is a threefer. You get three votes for one visit to a polling station, borough, county and PCC. And I'm joined by two candidates, Will Forster and Paul Kennedy. Paul and Will, why don't I ask you to introduce yourselves? Well, thank you, Dale. Uh, I'm Paul Kennedy. I'm a local Liberal Democrat councillor in Mole Valley, uh, and I'm a former barrister, accountant and actuary, having worked for more than 30 years in both private and public sectors. This year, I'm the Liberal Democrat candidate to be Surrey's new police and crime commissioner. Actually, you get two votes in the police and crime election, a first choice vote and a second choice vote. When the votes are added up, there's usually a runoff between the two leading candidates. So unlike in a general election, there's a real opportunity, particularly for a Liberal Democrat candidate who often draws second preference votes from all sides to beat the Conservatives. But to do that, I need people's first choice votes to make sure I'm in that final round with a Conservative candidate. I understand, Paul. Thank you. And Will? Uh, hi, Dale. Thanks. So I'm Will Forster. I'm a Lib Dem borough and county councillor for the South Woking area. I've been at Mayor of Woking, but I've also stood for Parliament for us. But I'm here to talk about the council tax bills that are landing um, doormats about now. Thank you both. Will, as my council tax bill has literally just landed on my doorstep this morning, let's start with council tax. Surrey residents have been hit with a bit of an increase this year. Can you help explain some of the background? So the, the largest increase comes from Surrey Police, and that's something that we really don't think is fair or reasonable. It's a way above inflation rise at the time of a pandemic where a lot of people have lost their jobs or their incomes are frozen. And we just don't think that's reasonable. And I know we're going to talk about that a bit more, but that council tax rise is really uh, thanks to the police. That's really helpful, Will. And, that, and actually, that does lead us on nicely to talk more about the PCC and perhaps you'd stay with us for the duration of the podcast because I know you'll have some comments too. At this point, over to you, Paul. Not before we ask any detailed questions, not everyone listening will know what the PCC does. So can you explain that for us? Thank you. The, the, the job of the Police and Crime Commissioner is to hold Surrey Police and the Chief Constable to account on behalf of the people of Surrey. So that means setting their budgets, setting the force's objectives and producing an annual report on the force's performance. So the PCC hold the police to account. Will, question for you really, does anyone hold the PCC to account? Uh, yes, they do. And thankfully, there is a body that uh, holds the PCC to account. It's not very well known, but you've got a Surrey police and crime panel that they're responsible for holding the PCC to account. Now, this is a panel made up of councillors from each council in Surrey. So there are 12 people uh, on that panel, one from Surrey County Council and one from each of the 11 borough and district councils in Surrey, uh, and I'm Woking's representative. Despite uh, Woking being Conservative run, they kindly chose me uh, to be their representative on this panel. Fantastic. And Paul, does the PCC need any special qualification? No, there are no special qualifications other than the ability to win the, the trust of the public here in Surrey. Indeed, in many ways, it's better if PCCs don't have any direct policing experience because what we can see is that they then start interfering with operational policing decisions. 
the last thing Surrey needs is two chief constables arguing about how to do the job. My own professional experience is in law and finance, and for 10 years my role was overseeing the performance of public interest bodies. So in many ways, I think that is better experience for this job. It's really interesting. We're seeing a sort of, of a separation of powers in what I'm getting to understand about the PCC, which is actually it's very, they're very liberal values. Paul, what specifically, though, object, what specific objectives do you have for the PCC? I, I want Surrey Police to be professional, obviously, but also ambitious and more community based. Securing the professionalism of the, the local police force means ensuring, obviously, they're properly trained and also challenged. But we also protect the police's independence, uh, including from government. Secondly, I want our police to be more ambitious in tackling things that matter to Surrey residents, like taking a broader public health approach to drug and youth crime and tackling problems like domestic abuse. Uh, And finally, I want Surrey police to be more community-based. I want to bring back community policing and make our local police forces more directly accountable to their local communities over things like antisocial behaviour, road safety and and rural crime. There's a a lot of significant issues in uh, that list, Paul. What and what powers do the PCC have to influence those things? What authority, responsibility? As I said earlier, the job is to set the strategic direction for the force. So the powers are, are set at a high level. The overall budget, the strategic objectives and the overall performance of the chief constable and the force. Got it. So budget, direction and performance. Do they hire and fire? Yes, the commissioner appoints and can remove the chief constable. Uh, the appointment of the chief constable is done in, in in coordination with the Independent Police and Crime Panel, which, as Will has said, includes representatives from each of the the local councils as well as independent members. More controversially, the PCC can sack a Chief Constable. There's a real worry here that PCCs can sometimes be fair-weather friends to Chief Constables, particularly as elections are coming up. So taking all the credit when things go well, but then throwing the Chief Constable under a bus when problems occur, essentially to save their own skin. Uh, so classic ego politics, really. I can see that sort of sometimes called seagull politics. Paul and Will too, perhaps. Tell us a, a little bit more about how the budget is set. Paul, perhaps Paul first. Yes, the PCC sets the budget for Surrey Police. It's his or her responsibility. In practice, it is prepared jointly with Surrey's Chief Constable and their finance team. But it is the PCC who consults on the proposals and presents the budget to the police and crime panel. The panel can ask the PCC to think again, but ultimately it is the commissioner's decision. And indeed that's what happened this year. Panel members voted seven to three to reject the uh, PCC's proposal for that five and a half percent increase in council tax, but he went ahead anyway. understand. Will, perhaps you could expand on the budget or the budgeting process between and PCC. Thanks, Del. So I was one of the seven people to vote against the budget for the police, and I didn't think it was reasonable to have such a high council tax rise this time in the current circumstance. But also we've had so many over the last few years that all the nice warm promises that the PCC has said should have come true already if he was keeping to his word beforehand. I also think the fact that we've had this rise uh, really undermines the PCC's legitimacy. We've had We've got a PCC who was elected as a Conservative, but now is an independent. He's on his fifth uh, year of his term, so one year after he should have had faced an election. And yet he's pushed through a council tax that was rejected overwhelmingly 
by elected councillors and in the public consultation. The public didn't want this rise. The majority uh, voted say that they didn't want it, yet he pushed it through. That just shows how hamstrung the police panel is, which should be a lot more democratic and accountable. And the PCC just being able to ride roughshod all over this. It sounds through uh, there have been a set of circumstances that have sort of allowed almost unilateral decisions to be made about budgeting for the PCC. Completely. And I think we've got a very local example in Surrey this year of that. But this is what Theresa May and the Conservatives wanted when they created uh, the PCC model. Someone that's very strong, uh, that really can't be stopped in between the years they're up for election. And I don't think that's fair or reasonable. It doesn't sound like it. Paul, uh, the the $65 million question is, what is the budget? I'm assuming it's not $65 million. Yes, the budget for next year is just over £250 million, most of which is paid for by council taxpayers who actually pay the highest share of police funding in the country. But the government still claims credit for that increase. This year, the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, announced a big increase in Surrey Police's, fund, Police's funding, but most of that increase was what she described as council tech tax flexibility, which means allowing the PCC to increase council tax by up to £15 for a band D property. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. But actually, the people paying for most of that increase are council taxpayers. And over the last five years, council tax for Surrey Police has increased by nearly 30%. That's a significant increase. And again, it seems to stem back to a set of circumstances that have allowed it to happen locally, but, but facilitated by government policy. Absolutely, yes. It's, uh, Will, as Will said, in a sense, it's been outsourced to the PCC to do, to do the government's dirty work. And the council taxpayer is picking, picking up the bill. Will, can you explain perhaps a bit of background here, the relationship between the PCC and, and Surrey County Council. Uh, yes, sure, Dale. Although we pay our council tax to Woking Borough Council, uh, most of what we pay goes to Surrey County Council. So around £62 million of our council tax that we pay in Woking goes straight to Surrey, whereas it's around £11 million each for Surrey Police and for the Borough Council. So they're the small uh, spenders in the grand scheme of things. The vast amount of money goes to Surrey. Yet we get our bills from the Borough Council and that's where a lot of our focus tends to be because that's where the bill goes. I'm not sure the busy Woking Borough Council taxpayer will necessarily be aware of that actually, Will. I think that might surprise some. No, I completely agree. And actually they don't understand what shares go where, but that's why uh, myself and others have been so keen for the council to put budget summaries to explain what happens to council tax in council tax bills. Last year, Woking Borough Council didn't even explain what they did with the money. This year, they've corrected that mistake, and that's after our asking them to. Crumbs. Yeah, it, it, that does need fixing. We do need to be made aware, don't we, as council taxpayers, where our council tax is, uh, what our council tax is funding. Paul, back to, back to you. I have a question really about performance targets. Big thing, obviously, in the private sector. Do the PCC set key performance targets? In effect, yes. The PCC sets objectives and can investigate the force's performance and report on it. So the statistics the PCC chooses to measure are, in effect, performance targets. Can you give us some examples? Uh, yes, absolutely. One, one that I know that the panel's been looking at is visible policing, which I know a lot of people care about. And, and despite all the government promises about restoring police numbers, 
there is still less visible policing on our streets than there was five years ago. Uh, and that's despite that big council tax increase. Another is positive outcomes for the victims of high harm crimes, such as rape, sexual and domestic abuse and hate crime. Unfortunately, the positive outcomes for this too have fallen, with the overall percentage falling by more than half over the last five years uh, to just 13%. I mean, both of those subjects, I think, will concern all of us in the borough. They're, they're very serious issues. What would you do? What strategic objectives would you set to address those things and police policy more generally if you were elected this year? Yes, as I said earlier, I'll be looking to set objectives for professionalism. uh, And that involves national standards in many respects, but also other aspects such as independence, impartiality, being ambitious on things like drugs and youth crime. And as we discussed earlier, more visible community-based policing so that residents can actually see uh, the fruits of what they're paying for. I think it's interesting. I think we all want to see that as, as we move post-pandemic and we're all out uh, a little more. We want to see the police more visible. I think that's, that, that's a very strong desire in the communities, the people that I speak to for that, Paul. So, Will, a question for you. What can Surrey County Council do that... Woking Borough Council can't do. Uh, thanks, Dale. Well, as we've talked about, Surrey County Council provides uh, a lot more services, and that's why they uh, tax us a lot more. So their key services are social care, both for children and then for vulnerable adults. Both are under a huge amount of pressure right now, particularly in the budget that we had recently that didn't mention social care once, despite the fact it's in a national crisis. Surrey also maintains our roads, runs libraries and community recycling centres, amongst other things. They do a lot of key services that matters people that the Borough Council doesn't do at all. And as we draw this discussion to a close, I have a question for each of you, actually. Let me start with you, Will. Starting from May 2021, what do you think Surrey County Council could and should be doing better? Obviously, I'm tempted to say they can and should be doing everything better. But in particular, they've got to improve the four services that are officially labelled as failing. So children's services, the fire service, uh, SEND, uh, which is uh, special educational needs, and youth offending are all rated as failing. They need to be improved straight away. Uh, Children's services have been failing for far too long, and that isn't acceptable. Thank you, Will. Paul, and same question to you, really. In 2021, uh, all things being equal, in May, what do you want to see the PCC doing much better this year? Hopefully I will be the PCC and and indeed what those objectives are are for Surrey Police. And apart from those three big objectives, I I think it's worth looking at the force's efficiency, particularly given the concerns over value for money that we've described earlier. There was an independent review of Surrey Police that was done in 2018-2019 that found that it uh, required improvement uh, in efficiency. And the recommendations asked Surrey Police to to get a better understanding of the demand for their services and also address the concern that they were too risk averse and that this affected uh, the decision. So I'm very keen to see uh, a strong response from Surrey Police to those recommendations so that we can improve its efficiency and get into good or or outstanding in those areas. So get into good and outstanding through efficiency and bold decision making. Yes. Being ambitious, which... Feels like a good note to end on. So let me extend my thanks to you, Paul and Will, 
for your contributions today. Thank you. Before we go, a reminder to everyone listening of the key local election dates. The registration to vote deadline is the most important one. The, the, most, the most imminent one is on midnight, Monday the 19th of April. Postal vote deadline, which I know uh, will impact many of the people listening to this podcast, is Tuesday the 20th of April. Proxy vote deadline a week later on the 27th. And then, of course, election day from 7am till 10pm on Thursday the 6th of May. And please take time to vote this year. It really does matter. I think many of us will be receiving vaccines over uh, the coming, those that haven't, over the coming weeks and months. And it's a fantastic indication of the impact that the state, the government, local government can have, local services can have on all of our lives. Let me close on that note. Thank you for listening to Liberal Lockdown. Please do check out the show notes if you're interested in reading more about the subjects we've covered in this episode, including those key dates. And of course, we'd love you to subscribe using your favourite podcast app. Recommend us to your friends and to your family. And don't forget to visit our website, wokinglibdems.org.uk, particularly as we're sharing more and more online, because not only is it the easiest way of sharing right now, it's still the safest. And follow us on Twitter. And that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.